welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Jesus' name, amen. Do you love him this morning? He is worthy of our love, amen. Well, turn and tell somebody you love them too this morning and you can be seated. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Well, say it with me. Say, God is good. His word is true. And it works in my life. Amen. God is a good God. Well, we're glad you made it out this morning. You believe in for good things for you today. And uh, hopefully you made it in here and dodged the raindrops on the way in. I've always joked and said that, you know, um, the devil will try anything to keep you out of church, and oftentimes it's a simple raindrop that people will stay out of church for. But uh, you guys made it this morning, so give yourself a hand. You look wonderful. Amen. And we love you, and we're praying for good things, believing for good things. If you have a prayer request or a prayer need in your life, please make sure you're letting us know about those. Um, real simple way to do that on the seat back in front of you. There's a card, or you can go to the website and just let us know what's going on so we can be praying for you, believing God for answers in your life. Um, uh, when you send those in, they come to me and uh, Delisa and our prayer team, and uh, we just pray and believe God for good things. I would ask you to keep uh, Kathy Pierce. She sings on Sunday mornings with the worship team. Keep her in your prayers. Um, she was at the Illuminites and fell and got a little gash on her head and so she's recovering she's she's gonna be okay but just be praying for her I know she know her and she would be here uh, no matter what if she could so let's just be thanking God for a speedy and quick recovery for Kathy okay um, uh, well we want to go ahead and worship God with our giving just go ahead and continue to honor God uh, with our, as we worship with our words we want to do it with our giving as well the scripture teaches us that when we give God promises to bless us, and that's how the needs of the church are met. So we want to take an opportunity to do that this morning. If you're giving by check, you can make it to Grace Family. If you're giving by cash, there are offering envelopes, and on the screen there are uh, methods of giving. But here in a moment at the meet and greet, you can bring those offerings forward. But let's pray and believe God for what uh, His Word says about our finances in your life personally and also for that of the church. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you're such a good God. Thank you that you love us, you care about us, and that you care about every aspect of our life, including our finances. And so we take a moment, along with the words that we just sang, to give our hearts to you and to say, Lord, we recognize you are the source of everything good in our life, including the provision provided for us. And so we want to honor you and obey your word and give back to you and support your kingdom. So I thank you, Father, for those that are doing that with that kind of heart that you've promised you will give back to them good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And I thank you, Father, because of their giving, the faithful, you're faithful to meet the needs of this church, and we give you praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we'll dis before we dismiss our kids with Joe, first through fifth grade, next Sunday will be our, uh, is it next Sunday? Yeah, next Sunday will be our, our children's Christmas party during the service, and so they're going to have a fun time doing that, and so make sure you make it out for that. Also want to remind you that this coming Wednesday night is our church Christmas party and servant celebration. I noticed we had about nine people signed up to bring appetizers, but if we have the 40 people show up, uh, and by the way, I just got to say hi to somebody sitting in the back there. Granville, how are you, brother? Everybody, everybody give Granville a hand. I got to tell you, uh, I played football with Granville McCreeth in high school, and it was just so good to see him. Matter of fact, one, one, I, I, can I just tell you a story about Granville? 
never forget one time. Grandma, I hate to embarrass you, buddy, but first time you show up in church, just call you out. But I might as well let everybody know you are so they, you can be, just be family here. Um, we went to Radford one time and played Radford in football, came back at the very end of the game. And at the end of the game, we came back and went, went, won. And I looked back over on the sideline, and there was Granville turning backflips, head over heels. Uh, because we won, but anyway, so glad you made it. I hate to disturb the service, but man, I just, I, your, your sister told me you were going to come, and I, you did it, man, and I just love you. Let me just see you. Amen. Give them a hand. Let them know we're glad they're here. Amen. Amen. Well, um, uh, this coming Wednesday is our church Christmas party, and so that's taking place this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I noticed we had about nine people signed up to bring appetizers, so if you're bringing an appetizer, uh, you don't have to be signed up to bring them. But let us know so we've got the proper, you know, tabling for all that. I think we'll have enough, uh, and that'll be fine, but it'll be a good time together. We're going to not only celebrate Christmas, we're all gonna also going to celebrate all of our volunteers. So if you serve in any capacity in the church, please make a special effort to be out so that we can just tell you thank you so much for making grace the wonderful place it is to worship God. Amen? Amen. So that's this coming uh, Wednesday night. And then we also want to remind you we do have a special candlelight service. Candlelight would make you think it's the evening, but uh, Christmas Eve is uh, on a Sunday. So our morning service, thank, we're, we're in a sanctuary, we don't have windows, so we're going to actually have a candlelight worship service. It's primarily going to be just singing and worshiping that morning with a brief message from me. But I would just encourage you to come out and spend a little bit of time worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who came to us on that Christmas day so many years ago. Amen? So that's going to be a fun time together. And then Christmas Eve, normal service, I mean, sorry, New Year's Eve, normal service. We will have service that day, uh, but it'll just be a normal one. And so um, uh, looking forward to good things there. Amen. All right, stand to your feet with me. We want to dismiss our kids, kindergarten through fifth grade. Give Joe a hand. Let him know we appreciate him. Amen. And let's meet and greet. Bring your offerings forward and, then, and prayer requests, and then we'll go ahead and jump into the Word here in just a moment. His word is true, and it works in my life. Um, uh, hey, before we jump into the message, real quick, just want to remind you all, um, our youth are going to the Illuminites um, next su Sunday. They'll meet here at 4, and then they have an appointment to be over there shortly after that, and that's just the youth, right? Um, so if you're a teen and you said you were going, the tickets have been purchased. So you need to see Maria. Maria, wave your hand back there. Hey, Maria, wave your hand. Hey, Maria. Everybody look at Maria back there. Um, make sure you go to Maria and pay her for your ticket because they, they fronted the money for that. So we want to make sure uh, we get that squared away um, so that you're ready to go to the event um, next Sunday at 4 o'clock. Okay. Um, also, just don't forget about our, our candlelight Christmas service. Great opportunity to invite somebody to church with you. Uh, good worship service should be a good time with us. All right. I want to um, uh, continue the message that I've been teaching about God's gift of love. Uh, during the holiday season, we talk about gifts all the time, and the greatest gift God ever gave us was his love. Amen? And so uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, we'll read this as our opening text, and then we'll just move through this and do as the Lord pleases, um, and just trust God with me uh, that we get across what it is he wants to say to us this morning. Amen? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the truth that we find in it. Uh, thank you that it is the truth. And I pray, Father, that as we open our hearts to receive your truth this morning, that you will speak to us, that your spirit will speak tenderly to our hearts, 
And we'll, when we leave here today, we will, we, we'll be able to say, I'm better because I came to church. I, I know more uh, about God and how much he cares for me and the great plan he has for my life. And so I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we read 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, we see, uh, as I say every week, uh, uh, us being encouraged as believers to love one another. That it says, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Who loves not does not know God. For God is love. So we're encouraged to love one another. But that verse goes on to really tell us when you look at it and what it's saying, it says you will not have the ability to consistently love like God loves uh, unless you know him, unless you know him. And so what that tells us, first of all, is, is that, you know, there is a love that is in the world. It's emotional. Uh, it could be a, tra a physical attraction There's a, that people call those things love. And those things are very real, and those things are important and dynamic in relationships. But the God kind of love, the kind of love that emanates from the Father, you'll never be able to uh, love like he loves and consistently show that love like he loves unless you have met him, unless you've first been born again. Uh, when you get born again, the Bible says that you become a new creation and you receive a nature after his nature. So that love gets placed within you. But then, it got, you know, uh, we've taken this a step further to really point out that that word no doesn't mean just to be introduced to him, but it really means you experience him. And so, you know, a relationship with God should be an experience. It should be an opportunity where, where how many of you realize that when we talk about Jesus and we accept him and we believe in him, we're not just agreeing to some theological argument that, that we, we buy into, right? We're actually, we're actually buying into a very real person, Jesus, the one who rose from the dead. And, and we should have a daily experience with him that impacts us in such a way that that love changes us and allows us to not just try to walk in love, but allows us to actually walk in love. And so, and so we're, we're really looking at the scripture in this series to understand who is God so that we can really know him. Because, you know, the scripture says that when you talk about it, you know, the Bible says God, that Jesus went behind the disciples and he confirmed the word with signs following. So, so one of the things you'll recognize is whatever's being preached... As long as it's truth, God is willing to confirm that word when it's preached. So what we're doing here, this really is this, is we're, we're teaching about who God is. And as we teach these truths and embrace them and, 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 and allow them to become revelation to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will manifest himself in that capacity to us. And it, and, it'll, and it won't just be uh, something that we've just transferred knowledge, right? And you leave here this morning saying, well, you know, I, I got some really good information about God. No, you'll leave here actually experiencing that aspect of who he is. And so I will tell you this morning, God wants to uh, bring truth to you in such a way, and hopefully he'll do it through me, right? But he wants to do it in such a way that you experience him this morning. That you don't walk out of here with just you know, knowledge, but you can truly say, I've been touched by the hand of the master this morning. I, how many can believe God with me for that this morning? Amen. And so we're looking at scripture to understand who God is. And we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. I read this every week and I'll read it again because if 1 John tells us God is love, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us what love is, right? It says, and that word love in 1 John, it says God is agape. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the verses we're about to read, it says agape is this. And so we're going to find out who God is. Notice verse 4, it says, love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so what we've said there is that's a picture of the agape love that God is. So we'd be doing no disservice to look at that verse and just replace the word love with God because God is love, right? And so no, let's, let's just do that this morning for the sake of what we're, we're learning about in this series. It says God is patient. How many realize he's patient with us? We've already, already covered that one. He's not, he's not angry with you. He's not ready to strike lightning out of heaven down to get you. He's patient if you're lost, he's patient and not hold and, and, and is willing, long-suffering for you to accept him. And if you're born again, he's already forgiven your sins, and the necessity for him to be patient with you like you're some sinner is already gone. And he's willing to be very long-suffering with us while we work out our salvation to walk in the holiness he's called, he to, called us to. It also says God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. And on goes the list. But the one I want to focus on this morning is the fact that God does not dishonor others. Everybody say God does not dishonor. So notice that God is, is, is and, and another sentence, other translations, it, it reads this way. When, you know, that's just one translation that says God does not dishonor. But others say that God or love is not rude. And, and love is not, or doesn't act unbecomingly is what one translation says. And so when we talk about a God who does not dishonor or act unbecomingly, what does that mean? Well, if we look up that phrase in the Greek, it's only used two times in the entire New Testament, that word. It's only used twice, but it's used to describe God and, and the way he interacts with us. And it's used once here where it says it doesn't act unbecomingly, it doesn't act rude. But the other place that it's used is in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, and verse 36 specifically. But I want, I want to read it to you in context so that you can actually understand the magnitude of what he means when he says he doesn't dishonor, he doesn't act unbecomingly, he doesn't act rude. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 32, uh, he's speaking to the church about relationships in this chapter. And he talks about marriage, he talks about a lot of different things, but in this particular portion of scripture, he's talking about a man, or you could apply it to a woman as well, but a man that has committed himself to live for God and not get married. This is the context in which he's talking about it. And what he says here, he says, I want you to be free from the concern of this life. Uh, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. And all the women said, you got that right, amen, right? Right? So he says, if you're married, it's the right thing for you to do to focus a lot of your attention as well as on the Lord on, on your wife. It's a good thing. And it goes on to say um, in verse 34, his interests are divided in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has no, never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy, and, uh, holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about uh, her, eternal, her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. So all the men said amen to that, right? Because a wife should be thinking about her husband and how to make him happy. And so if the two do that, I've always said, what happens? You're as happy as what? Two pigs and a bucket of poop, right? Amen. Verse 36 says, but if a man thinks he is, now here, here's, where the word, uh, here's where the word rudely is used. 
So, I want, and the reason I'm sharing this is, is, is the contextually, I want you to understand what this word means. It says, but if a man thinks he's treating his fiance improperly, or if he thinks he might not be acting honorably, and will inevitably give in to his passion, let him marry her as he wishes, it is not a sin. So what is he saying? He's saying, even if there's a man who's made a commitment to say, I'm going to live for the Lord, I'm not, not going to get married, maybe he was married once before, maybe he never was, but I'm not going to get married again, I'm just going to marry, I'm just going to, I'm just going to focus my attention on the Lord. Then he meets somebody, and he, and he likes her, and he's spending time with her, right? And all of a sudden he likes her so much that he's physically attracted to her, and he can't keep his hands off of her, right? How many of you, that's human nature? What he says there is, it says, in that instance, don't act, and he uses the word improperly to her. Don't dishonor her, right? So what that tells me, number one, is this, is that, is that if you're not married and you're sleeping with someone, that's treating that individual improperly. It's treating them dishonorably. Uh, why? Because God has set aside people to be in a, a marriage covenant a, a relationship when that, that level of intimacy takes place. And so what he says there, though, he says, is, he says, if you think you will act not honorably to her. So what does he say? He says that if that's the case, then go ahead and marry. It's a good thing to do that, right? And so all of us that are married said amen to that. It's a good thing, right? And so, but, but what I want you to see in context here is simply this, is that to, to treat someone improperly, to treat someone rudely, to act unbecomingly some, uh, to someone, it has this, this, um, this element of dishonoring them, right? And, and that's what the Bible says, God does not dishonor. He does not, he will not, he will not do things that will pull honor from us, that will demean us that will cause us to be less than what we were created to be. God does not do that. He doesn't belittle us, so to speak. And so this tells me a couple things we can know about God. Number one, it tells me this. It tells me that if that's the way he is, then we can understand his voice a little more clearly when he speaks to us, right? If he's not going to belittle us, demean us, dishonor us, then when he speaks to us, his voice is not going to be rude, it's not going to be condemning, it's not going to be judgmental, it's going to be a tender, respectful voice that speaks to us, amen? He's not the booming voice of anger and condemnation that many envision him to be coming from this powerful, all majestic cloud. He's the tender voice of one calling to you this morning. Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Therefore, I am now going to, this is God speaking to the nation of Israel, but you could apply this to your own life. He says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her to the wilderness. And that word wilderness is interesting because wilderness, when we think of it, is like a bad thing. But that word wilderness, if you look it up, it's pasture land. I'm going to lead them to pasture land and speak tenderly to her. Notice, the voice of God will draw us to places and speak tenderly to us. That word tender means comfortably. So what he's saying is, I will speak comfortably to you. So when God speaks to us, because he loves us and his love is so emphatic for us, he will never speak to us in a rude or condemning manner. It will come to us comfortably. Even if it's corrective, even if it's corrective, it'll be comfortable. Even, even if it's a word that needs to get us on the right path and get us off the wrong path, it'll come in a way that in our hearts it hurts so good, right? It's like, I know that's the voice of my father. I know it's him drawing me back. And so the thing we need to understand is, is that the voice you're listening to this morning 
that you thought was God is causing you to feel bad about yourself, that the voices between your ears and emanating from within you cause you to feel worthless and fearful and no good, you can know something about that. That is not the voice of God to you this morning. That's the voice of the enemy, or it's very possibly even the voice of your unfortunate upbringing. What do I mean by that? You know, there are some people that have been raised in homes, and they they never had a tender voice. They never had a comfortable voice that spoke to them and said, I won't disrespect you. I won't abandon you. I will speak comfortably to you, right? And it's unfortunate they've grown up with this, uh, even though they may look beautiful on the outside, they've grown up with this broken self-image on the inside of them. Because they've always thought they had to measure up to some standard. They had to be perfect. And and if they weren't perfect, they were condemned for it. But the voice of God won't dishonor. It won't disrespect. It'll always come to us comfortably and speak to us. Even if our upbringing has done otherwise, it will come to us and pierce and penetrate that darkness. That lack of worthiness that we feel and say, you are valuable. You are important. I do love you. See, God's voice will always be tender. Now, the interesting thing about that word tender, if you look it up, it also means this. It means the inner man. Tender. It's really strange. It means inside-minded. It means the will or the heart or the innermost part. And so when God, if we're a believer, he comes to live within us. And so when God speaks to us, he comes to us tenderly. He comes to us comfortably. He comes to us respectfully to speak to us. And he comes to us from within our own hearts. See, unfortunately, most people, most people look for the voice of God in outward signs and and, and coincidental circumstances. That's where most people look for the voice of God. You ever heard somebody, well, this happened, so this must be God telling me this. Well, I got to tell you, if God's got to maneuver the whole, don't you think he has a voice? The Bible says that we are led, those that are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God lives in us. You know, in the old covenant, God would lead people by signs and demonstrations. Certainly he would. Why? Because he didn't live in them. But man, once you become born again, the living God comes to live on the inside of you. And if you will listen on the inside of you, he will speak tenderly, comfortably, peacefully to you. And oftentimes that leading will be contrary to what your circumstance is telling you. Right? So we must understand that the way that God leads us, he comes to us tenderly and comfortably. Not with you know, demonstrations and grandeur or wonderful things that, 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 that should be uh, characterized by a relationship with God. But that is not the voice of God, right? The voice of God is that tender, small voice. We see it in 1 Kings, even in the Old Covenant. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 11, speaking to Elijah, he said, then, then God said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Elijah was hiding, right? He was hiding in a cave, and he was worrisome about what was going to happen. And God said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But notice this, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. See, God doesn't send destructive stuff to your life to speak to you, although that may happen in life. 
says he wasn't in the fire. And after that, notice this though, of, of the fire, a still, small voice. One translation, it says a peaceful, comfortable voice. See, when God comes speaking to us, he comes in small, whispering calms on the inside of us. And that's the way he wants to speak to us. He will always deal with us honorably and comfortably, not demeaning and belittling and unkind. Right? He'll come to us in that tender voice. What that also tells me is that if he will not belittle and he will not dishonor, when he comes to us and even corrects us, he will do it discreetly. And not in a manner that would embarrass us. See, there's a lot of people afraid of God. Afraid of God because of the decisions they've made. Afraid of God because of the lifestyle they're living. And they're afraid that if they come and get close enough to God, he's going to expose all my stuff and I'm going to be embarrassed about it. God does not dishonor. Right? It was the, I've been reminded through this series of the woman caught in adultery. It was the Pharisees that exposed her. It was Jesus that didn't condemn her, right? Now, as we said last week, he didn't condone it, right? He said, go, don't, don't go do that anymore, right? But he didn't condemn her. See, God, when he deals with us, he will always deal with us respectfully. Even in our mistakes, he'll do it in a discreet way that doesn't bring shame to us. He will not dishonor us. Here, listen to these words of, of, of description about this, this aspect of God. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 9. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. He's merciful and forgiving. Isaiah 43 and verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. <laughs> you know, when I get my sins forgiven, I want them forgiven for my sake, right? But he says, that, he says I do it for my sake. Why, does it, why is it his sake? Because he forgives them because he don't want that standing and he wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He says, I'm going to forgive it because I don't want to lose a relationship with you. And I remember your sins no more. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18, notice what he says. He said, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. He says, I want you to come to me. I want you to be comfortable to come to me when you make a mistake, when you do something wrong, because I don't want you to think I'm going to belittle you or dishonor you or be disrespectful to you. I'm going to give you love and forgiveness. We see this with Adam and Eve and the way that he dealt with Adam and Eve, you know, the original sin, right? God told Adam, don't eat the fruit thereof, for in the day that you do it, you will surely die, right? And he did it anyway, right? And in chapter 3, verse 8, we pick it up. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, Adam and Eve have the same problem that many believers have today. No matter how much they walk with God, no matter how much they live with God, no matter how much they hear about how much he loves them, they still are fearful of him when they sin. They are still fearful when they make a mistake that God's ready to strike them down, that, God's, that, that something bad's going to happen, the other shoe's going to fall because they didn't live perfectly. That's where Adam and Eve were. They lived with God. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? God wasn't, come, God wasn't angry. He's looking for them. How many of you know God knew where they were? Right? He's trying to get to something with them. So he said... I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and hid myself. They said they, they, they had walked with God and yet their human sinful nature that they embraced 
caused them to be afraid of God. Man, I got to tell you, I have walked with God, I'm 57 years old, and I, I was born again at 5 years old, spirit-filled at 12 years old, 18 years old, answered the call of God on my life. I've walked with him a good part of my life, but I will tell you, human nature, I'll be so glad when we get to cast it off and go to heaven. Amen? But human nature will dog you like an evil, stinking pup, right? It'll constantly tell you, you messed up, you aren't worthy, you aren't good, right? And that's, ex I mean, these people had never sinned, and yet they, their flesh began to scream that to them. And then notice Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. God's going to issue some corrective words to Adam, but he doesn't do it in a punitive sense. And he doesn't do it in a dishonorable sense. And he doesn't do it in a belittling sense. He doesn't come to them and say, see, I told you so, you big dummy. No, this is what he says. He says, then he said to Adam, because you, now how many, how many I told you last week, God will not candy coat the truth. He won't embellish it and he won't candy coat it to make you feel better. He's going to tell you the truth because he loves you. So God's about to tell Adam, because you did this, this is going to happen. You need to know it's coming, right? He says, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herbs of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of, out of it you were taken, for, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Notice what he said, Adam, I told you before, in the day that you sin, you'll surely die, Right? How many of you realize he didn't say, and we could go back over and look at it, but you can study it out on your own. How many of you realize he didn't say to Adam, in the day that you sin, I'm going to kill you? How many of you realize he did not say that, right? So in these verses, he's not saying, because you sinned, I'm going to do this to you. What he's saying is, because you sinned, this is the consequences of it. Because you played in the devil's backyard and you got bit, here's what you're going to have to deal with. But I'm still here with you, Adam. Even when you look at his words to, 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 to Eve in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16, it would appear that God says, I'm going to punish you for this. I, want, I just want to have you like dealing with things head on and not dodging them. Genesis 3.16, it says, to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow in conception. Well, that sounds like he says to the woman, I'm going to punish you for this, doesn't it? But if you look up that word, I will greatly multiply. Now, I got to tell you, I'm very careful when I, when, I, when I define for you Hebrew meanings and Greek meanings of words because I don't want to manipulate Scripture just to match a doctrine. If my doctrine's wrong, I'm going to change my doctrine, right? But this particular verse is an, this word is an interesting word. I will greatly multiply is one single word. It's the word rabba. Rabba. It's one single word, and there is no personal pronoun in the definition of that word. That word just means to become increased. And yet, if you look at, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not propping myself up to be smarter than any other translator of the Bible. Every other translation says, God says, I will do this to you. But if you look up the meaning of the word, there is no I will in the definition of that word. It just, it's just very simply, greatly multiplied. What he's saying is, he's saying, Eve, you need to understand something. Because you sinned and because you died, this is going to happen. Death is coming into your life, which means there's going to be pain and suffering when you give birth to a child. I'm not going to punish you for this. I'm going to forgive you. And how do we know that? Because we know it because he warned them up beforehand. He says, if you sin, this is what's going to happen. He never said, I'm going to do this to you. He said, it's going to be the consequences of your sin. 
And so what we find to be true is, is God telling Adam and Eve, look, I'm going to tell you the truth. You can know my voice is tender, though. You're going to face these problems. But here's the good news, Adam. I will not leave you. I am still here with you to carry you through this and make your B plan better than your A plan was. You say, how could a B plan be better than an A plan? Think about it for a minute. Adam and Eve's A plan was to live with God and never sin, but they sinned, and because they sinned, they fell away. What was the B plan? I'm sending my son Jesus, who will forgive your sins, so that when you sin, you'll never fall away. See, what he was saying to Adam and Eve is, he was saying, look, Adam, because you've sinned, yeah, you're going to face some problems, but my voice to you is not, you stupid dummy, look what you did. My voice to you was, I love you. So I'm going to help you through this. And we see it in the way he dealt with them in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 21. It says, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made tunics of skin and clothed them. Well, how did he make the tunics? He, sat, he actually provided a sa He sacrificed an animal for the forgiveness of their sins and took the hide of that animal and put it over them. Not to, so, so what? So he, they wouldn't be embarrassed and ashamed. See, what we need to understand about God is God's voice will always speak tenderly to us. He will never ridicule us. He will never dishonor us. He'll tell us the truth. But even when he tells us the truth, it always comes with the promise that he's there to help us through it. Amen? And so we see God will not deal with us rudely or disrespectfully or even embarrassingly, embarrassingly. Even on the day of judgment, when this age of grace is over and an individual who has not accepted Christ has to stand before God and a just God has to, has to issue judgment, it won't be in a disrespectful manner. It'll be in such a way that his heart is breaking over it. That it has to be done. That's why it's so much, it's so important if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior to get it done today. Amen? Now, why would God not disrespect us? I mean, he's God. Why would he not dishonor us? I, I believe the answer can be found, and this is what, this is the, the, the I said all that to get to this. I believe, it's I believe the answer to why he wouldn't disrespect us is really found in the antonym of the word disrespect. How many of you know what an antonym, right? A synonym means the same thing that the other, you know, you could look at another word. An antonym, though, is the opposite. So what's the opposite of disrespect? Respect, right? The reason God will not dishonor you is because he respects you and he honors you. Now, i got to tell you, what I'm going to share with you this morning is going to be, just because of our upbringing, I believe this will be an eye-opener for us. See, if love or God does not disrespect or dishonor, then love or God does respect and it does honor. And so God doesn't just deal with us disrespectfully because he, res God doesn't deal with us disrespectfully because he honors and respects us. Notice here, for Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3. I want to give you a picture of how God sees you this morning. It says, when I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. Pretty big God, right? How many of you heard that thunder last night? Big God, right? What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. 
Yet you made them a little lower than God. Some translations say angels, but the word angels is Elohim, which is the word always used for God. So this translation gets it right. You have made them a little lower than God. Notice this, and crowned them with glory and honor. See, what we need to understand is this, is that God created us, and when he created us, he created something he loved, and he loves us so much that when he looks at us, he looks at us with dignity and honor. See, when we think he crowned us with glory and honor, we think that means he put some sort of physical crown on us. Glory and honor is something that is bestowed upon someone. When we worship God, we give him glory and honor, right? Because of who he is. And what this verse says is, is because of who God created you to be, he bestowed his glory and honor on you. He looked at you and said, that is something precious to me. That is something valuable to me. That is something that I respect and honor and care for. See, he placed us in a position of esteem. I was thinking about when we taught about love doesn't dishonor when we were talking about how we should love one another here several months ago. What did we say? We said that what love does is it takes every person and puts them on a pedestal. Right? Or pedestal. It could be a stool if you sat on it, I guess, right? It takes every person and elevates them to this place of preeminence. It says they're important. I esteem them. In the vast expanse of everything he created. I want you to look at that again. Notice verse 3. When I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers and the moon and the stars that are set in place. He says, when I look at all of creation. See, I think we fall so short of seeing ourselves like God does. But he says, when I look at all of creation, I recognize something. Out of all of that, as a human being, I'm the one you're mindful of. I... His love has elevated us to a higher place than the rest of creation. Now, I tell you, we should never take that on with arrogance and pridefulness. Man, that should make our hearts fall on our knees in gratitude and and confidence before him that he he created me and loves me so much that he loves me more than anything on this planet. And you know, the great thing about God is, is he has the capacity to love Buzz, as much as he loves everybody else sitting here. And, and just like he, that was the only one, right? See, we need to embrace this truth not with arrogance, but with confidence and humility and gratitude that God created all of this, but he created it and said, I'm going to place man as the most important part of all of this in his eyes, Right? Now, I'm not talking about higher than a place of Jesus. Don't take me wrong there. But, but Jesus is God, right? So they're preeminent, but they've, the preeminent one has said, you're the most important thing in all of my creation. You are. I'm going to say it again. Boldly and strongly, because I can, I can hear mine say, oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. You are the most important thing in God's creation. Scripture backs this up and tells us this very clearly. It's not some strange thought. David described the value God places us. We see it in Psalm 17 and verse 6. It says, I call on you. This is what David said. I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. Show me the wonders of your great love. Now remember this. The reason he cherishes us and the reason he says that we're the most valuable is because he loves us so much. Right? 
You who save by your right hand, notice this, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. That word apple means the middle, actually, you know, apple of your eye, you know, that's a phrase, right? But the literal meaning of the word apple is the middle or the pupil. And then the eye is the stare and focus. So he says, keep me, keep me. So that means I understand something, God. I understand that I'm in this position and I want to stay here, right? Keep me as the focus of your stare. Listen to me this morning. Do you understand that when God looks on this congregation, he has the capacity to do this. We don't, right? He is looking directly and intently at you this morning. Not judgmentally, not condemningly, but lovingly and tenderly looking at you. David understood the value that God placed upon us. Jesus expressed this value that God places on us. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 45. Now once again, I'll say this. This is not to be said so that we prop ourselves up as some great majestic thing because our focus should be Him as the most important thing. But in return, why? Part of the reason why is because He views us as the most important thing. Notice Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking good, beautiful pearls. And when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Notice, we are likened unto a great and beautiful pearl. It says when he finds one thing, well, what's the one thing that he's looking for? How many of you know the Bible says Jesus said the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost? He didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What is it that God's looking for? He is looking for every living, breathing human being on the planet this morning. He's looking for a relationship with them. Why? Because he esteems them. It's valuable to him. It's a pearl of great price. That great price is also uh, uh, translated in different translations as goodly, rare, exquisite. Excellent, flawless. I mean, stop about this. Think about this. This is how he describes you. This is God's picture of you. This is what he sees you this morning. Goodly, rare, exquisite, flawless, fine, of great value, precious, and unusually fine. Look, look, if you're looking, sitting next to somebody, look at him and say, you're unusually fine. This is how valuable God sees you this morning. When it says he won't dishonor you, he won't dishonor you because he sees you this way. It's delicate and precious and valuable. Listen to the analogy Jesus gave us in the story of the lost coin. Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, it says, Or imagine a woman who has ten coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and, 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 secure, and, and scour the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it? And when she finds it, you can be sure she'll call her friends and neighbors. Celebrate with me. I found my lost coin. Count on it. That's the kind of party there is in the presence of angels of God when one returns to him. That's how valuable God sees us. We are his prized position. Think about it for this moment. This woman had all sorts of duties, but she stopped everything to find the coin. 
What is your situation that you're concerned about this morning? What is it that you're worried about this morning? God will stop everything for you because you are that precious to him. I'm going to say something that a lot of people are going to choke on. You ready for it? I'm going to set it up first, though. As believers, this won't blow your mind. You'll all agree with this. As believers, we're to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords and our loving Heavenly Father because he's worthy of it, right? We're to worship him. And that's the way it should be, right? He is the king of kings. He is the lily of the valley. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is my faithful friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is the bishop of my soul. He is the lover of my heart. Amen. That, that, he should be the center of our attention. That is us. But you ready for a blow your mind truth? See, our world should revolve around him. I'm going to blow your mind. You ready? But from God's perspective... His world revolves around us. He's coming after us. We are the center of his universe. We are the apple of his eye. We are the pearl of great price. We are the lost coin that he'd stop the world for. We are the one for whom he sent his son. That's how valuable you are to him this morning. That's how precious you are to him this morning. And that's why he would never dishonor you. He is constantly coming after you. We are not trying. And so many people, you know, the book Pilgrim's Progress, like, like there's some hard path we got to walk to get to God. Great literary work. But we're not trying to extract love from a God as if he's an unwilling participant. We're the center of his world. We're the pursuit of his passion. We're trying, you know, some people look at like they're trying to just, you know, suck a bowling ball through a knot hole, right? I mean, we're trying to get love out of God. But that's not who God is. We are so important to him that he is encircling our lives, just waiting for us to receive by faith his love, waiting for us to believe that he loves us just that much. Waiting for us to receive what he has to offer. And what does he have to offer? I'll tell you what he has to offer. Whatever, whatever it is that his love provides. Psalm 81 and verse 10 as the musicians come. He says, I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. See, what does he say there? He says, I love you so much that if you'll just open your mouth for whatever it is you need, I will fill it for you. You don't have to extract it from me. You don't have to worry that I'm angry because you're in a position where you need it, even if you brought it upon yourself. I want to help you. I won't disrespect you. I won't dishonor you. I will respect and honor you and place you in a spot where my love has 100% attention on you and wants to meet your needs. Even if we feel like the most insignificant person in the room, God doesn't. He doesn't see us that way. He sees us as he would the highest dignitary if the highest dignitary on the planet were to walk into this room. All eyes and attention would turn, right? The great thing about God is he can look at all of us that way. Luke chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7 says, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins, right? Come to find out that's about, that's about two cents, really. It's not, you know, our two copper coins are two cents, but if you look it up, that's actually literally... 
And why did he use five stone? Why did he use sparrows? Well, the reason he, he used sparrows is because sparrows was the most insignificant, inexpensive sacrifice a person could give to God in sacrifice to meet the, the law of sacrificial, you know, sacrifice. This is what he says. He says, what's the price of five sparrows, two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. So the most insignificant sacrifice, but God has his eyes on it. And the very hairs on your head are numbered. So this morning, if you got hair on your head, it's numbered, right? And if one of them fell off on the way to church today, he still knows the number, right? What that tells me is this, is the most insignificant things in our life that we would deem unimportant to God, God still deems them as important. I don't care what you're facing. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what difficulty. God would not dishonor you by saying, that's not important to me. It's very important to him. And he says that you're more important than the... I mean, think about it. It says, if you think you're the bottom of the barrel, let me give you a picture of something that's a little lower, and I want to let you know you're more important than that. God reminds us this morning when he says he will not dishonor us that we are respected in his eyes that we are honored in his eyes that we are cherished in his eyes that we are the center of his universe that he cares about us and when I say the center of his universe how many realize God is three in one I'm not saying we're above Jesus God is the father the son and the holy spirit and they look at you this morning and say you are the reason right that I came and gave my life. You were the reason that I sacrificed and shed my blood. You were the reason so I could get to you and take care of even the smallest, most insignificant thing that you don't think I care about. I care about it. Notice Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 1. It says, but now God's message. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob... The one who got you started, Israel. So he's saying, here's, the, here's my message to you. Don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I have called your name. You are mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, I won't be a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. The holy of Israel, your Savior, I prayed a huge price for you. All of Egypt with rich Cush and Seba thrown down. That's how much you mean to me. What was he saying? He was saying, I've had my son, I've had people give their life for you. Others were given in exchange for you. That's how much I love you. I'd sell off the whole world to get you back. Trade the creation just for you. God values you as his most cherished possession and he will move heaven and earth to express that care for you he will not disrespect you he will not leave you hanging out to dry to be embarrassed about a situation if you will trust him he will come rushing in and he will speak tenderly to you even if he needs to correct you in a manner that's respectful he'll esteem you and elevate you to the top and the most valuable place on his list of people that I need to reach out to and show how much I love because he gave his own son. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4 says this, God is patient, God is kind, God does not envy, 
God does not boast. God is not proud. Notice this. God does not dishonor. If he does not dishonor, then that means he honors us. He loves us. He values us. He cherishes us. He cares about your stuff. So as we were singing this morning, I, I was feverishly working before I jumped up here this morning on something I just felt like the Lord told me to do. So I'm going to do my best to do it. How many of you know the song we're playing, right? Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. As we were singing that song, I sensed how all of us love him so much that we would say, Lord, I... I just love you so much. I give you all of who I am. But I heard the Father say, I want you, son, to take those words and sing them back to my people this morning as my love song to them. So I'm going to do that this morning, and I want you to hear the voice of the Father speaking to you this morning. Thank you, Lord. This is my desire, listen, to honor, don't sing it, don't sing it, don't sing it. I want you to hear him speaking to you. Child with all my heart, I cherish you. This is God speaking to you. All I have within me. I give to you all that I adore is in you. Child, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, I give my all for you. Just listen to the words from your father this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is my desire to honor you, child with all my heart, I cherish you. I give to you all that I adore is in you. Child, I give you my heart, I give you my soul. I Every moment I'm away, I give my all for you. Child, I give you my heart. 
I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every move I've ever made, I give my all for you. God loves us so much that those words that we resonate to Him from a grateful heart, He sings back to us this morning. I give you all of me, God says this morning. What is it that you need? I give you my forgiveness and would not disrespect you if that's what you need. I give you my power to turn a situation around if that's what you need. Because I love you and I will not dishonor you. I will honor you and set you in high places in your life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I have done my best to convey your heart to your people, that you love them. Yes, our King of Kings is the central point of all creation, and we love him, but we love him because he first loved us he gave it all for us we were the most important thing in all creation to him and so we give you our hearts this morning in gratitude that you love us I break the power of voices in people's past that would tell them they're not valuable I pray father God their hearts would be broken and open up to receive your love to have an experience with you this morning thank you Lord Jesus thank you Lord hallelujah he's a good God amen amen you know I'm reminded can I'm gonna brag on myself just once is that okay I'm reminded when I was dating my wife and I remember um, it was around Christmas time and I, I, I decided I was going to do something a little special for her. So I, I got this little pill box, uh, a little pill bottle, and, and I, I went to a pharmacy and I got uh, these empty pill holders, you know, the little clear things that you can put things in. And inside the little empty pill holders, I, 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 I took a little piece of green and red paper and I wrote different things about how much I loved her on it. And I'd roll it up and put it in the little pill thing and I put it all in the pill holder and I put on the outside you know these are love pills for her you know but but here's the thing that struck me about the whole thing I was so excited to give it to her I just pray you'll see this and how much God loves you it's the reason I'm sharing it I wouldn't share it any other reason because that's a special thing for me and her but I remember when she opened it up and she looked at them and then after she finished reading them I'll never forget this she looked at me and said, you really love me. How many people have not opened their heart in such a way to allow God to really love them? To really understand, I, I mean, <laughs> every love letter I've ever written is for you. He loves us just that much, amen? Just stand to your feet with me. I just want to do something before we close. I want to sing that song. I, I, you know, but I want to sing it back to him now that we know how much he loves us. 
let's put him in his rightful place for us. We don't want to walk out of here with any arrogance of, hey, we're the center of God. Right? That's not this, the point of this message. The point of this message is, is that we are so in love with him because he esteems us and values us and respects us so much that he this gave Christmas his son season for us. We're Amen. kicking it off just for how much he loves us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Just open your heart and receive his love this morning. He values you. Whatever you need, just receive it. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. As you sing it to him, hear him sing it back to you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord have your way in me. Thank you Lord Jesus, thank you Lord Jesus, Father we love you, Jesus we love you. Thank you that you love us so much. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You're not sure that you'd go to heaven if you died in this moment. But you want to be sure. That's a simple, simple fix. It's just open your heart to him, confess him as your Lord, believe he's alive, and receive him into your heart. If that's you this morning and you'd like to do that for the first time, would you raise your hand, anyone at all, anyone at all? Just wait a moment. Don't miss your chance, man. Open your heart to his love, anyone at all. Amen. I just believe we're all believers then this morning. Just say this out loud with me, just in case somebody didn't have the courage to raise their hand, but they want to say it anyway. Just say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you love me. You gave your life for me because I was so valuable to you. So I receive you and your love this morning thank you that I'm your child and I'm important to you in Jesus name amen and amen prayer partners if you'll make your way to the front if you're here this morning and you had a need that you wanted to have prayed for and no one's agreed with you prayer partners are here this morning to help you join hands with the arms of a loving father who will pour out his 
need meeting ability into your life because you're that important to him. Amen. Let me pray a prayer over you. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love them. Thank you that you care about them. Thank you that your angels are encamped about them, keeping them safe and protected, that you're causing them to rise to high places and good things in their life, that you're bringing them back to worship with us again. I thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week and leave knowing how valuable you are to God this morning. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.